I have to say that I was disappointed with Casey last week because I really wanted him to do these next few verses so that I didn't have to. Um, and he graciously left them for me. <laughs> so we'll begin with chapter, oh yeah, in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. We'll read, I'm going to read it in sections because the subjects change and um, there's not a lot, a lot of purpose in that. So Luke 10, 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but that the spirits, that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All these things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father and who the Father is except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see these things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. So we'll stop there for now. And we'll look to the Lord. Father, we... Pray that you would guide our hearts and minds this morning as we look into your word and reveal it to us, Father, and help us to apply it. And we just would thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're starting here um, where the 70 or the 72. <laughs> it's one of those things that are a little funny to me. Like, okay, it's for probably a reason, but anyway. <clears throat> and... Um, they come back and they're excited. They've just been doing what the Lord wanted them to do. They come back, they're excited because things were happening. You know, people were, we would say now, people were getting saved, but people were getting healed and all these neat things and they were casting out demons and all this stuff. So they came back, they were fired up. They're ready to go. They're, you know, Lord, let's go. We're, we are really excited. That's how I picture, picture them at this thing and, you know, with joy, they're saying, even the demons were subject to us. <clears throat> and then comes the hard part that I was really hoping Casey would deal with. Then I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And it's like, of course, some of the commentators deal with it, but they don't really answer the question either, you know. It's like, what, it could be this or it could be this. And it's like, okay. So tell them, just say that at the beginning thing. We're not sure exactly what this is, but it could be this or this, and I would be more at peace. But <clears throat> looking at it, and even myself, I'm looking at this and saying, well, I can, I can understand either one. Maybe they're both right. You know, we have those things sometimes in Scripture where we want it to either be this or this for the purposes of being correct or dogmatic or whatever it might be. 
and really they could both be right. I, I could see here whether they could both be right. Um, the one is Jesus is looking because Jesus is God and he can see things that we can't see. He's looking and saying, I see this in the future. Um, I see Satan falling from heaven like lightning. And we could go to Revelation chapter 12 and, and look at that passage and see what might be that he saw. Revelation 12 and verses 7 through 9. Well, it helps if you're in 12. There we go. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast with him. So he could have been seeing that. Because at this point, you know, this is the revealing, maybe, of the kingdom of God um, here. And that's what the 70 were doing. They're out to proclaim the, the kingdom of God. And they were, just came back there fired up, ready to go. And Jesus, you know, knowing the things that are happening, but knowing that it's going to happen, um, could have seen this. The other thing here, and, and just so maybe we appreciate it too, is, you know, not only were they casting out demons, but he's given them power over serpents and scorpions so that they won't hurt them. And nothing by any means shall hurt you, he says. <clears throat> you know, we think of Paul. Remember Paul when they were building the fire on whatever island that was? I can't remember the name of it. but And the serpent came out and bit him, and it didn't hurt him. Um, those kind of things. And so we have, you know, we have those things that Jesus gave them authority over. Um, but I can see where this second thing could be uh, true too is they were, okay, let's go do this. You know? And, the, and I don't know if, in our service to the Lord lots of times, and, and we've probably seen it in lots of things and lots of times, we didn't see when it started, so we kind of maybe missed the pride in it. But the pride comes in and saying, I can do, look, look, I can do this now. And I can do, and let's, let's go do this. And, and just like the disciples wanted to call down fire from heaven, you know, to devour the, the unbelievers here and, and things. And, and the reason I could see that happening is he says, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this. Don't rejoice that you have the power over things or the authority over things, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's what to get excited about. Now, that's not near... <laughs> I don't know if you're like me. I would, I, my, my thought is to say, that's not near as exciting as having authority over scorpions and snakes and spirits and all those things. That's not... Okay, my name's written in heaven. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but that's what Jesus says we should be rejoicing over, that our name is written there. Not that, we, that he's given us power to do these other things for him, or anything, but that our names are written in heaven. 
That, that's one of the things. And in, in this passage here, I've seen a lot of things that make me stop and think, question the way I think about things, the way I see things sometimes. So we see that. And in this next section, <clears throat> in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. And all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And um, was thinking with some things in that, <clears throat> you know, we always want to, like, Jesus was right there, and they couldn't, they didn't believe on him. They couldn't see who, and, and here he's saying, you know, but they can't. They can't see. Only to the ones the son reveals himself to. And, um, and plus, he has a purpose, you know. He's going to die for the sin of the whole world. But I was also looking and um, thinking about the connection. If, you go, if we go to Matthew chapter 11... The, the, this passage is, I don't know if it's the same time, if it's at the same time he said it, and this is just the two different accounts, or if he's said this thing before, <clears throat> and now they are, uh, and he's re- reminding them, or however that, that works. But if we look at Matthew 11, starting with verse 25, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and when no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I thought it interesting how it flows, flows there. Um, 20, 29, 30 are some of my favorite verses um, to think about anyway, but, you know... Th- in Matthew, that's, that's the, where he goes to. There he kind of stops in the middle of it here in Luke. Um, and he says, blessed are your eyes for they've seen. But thinking about that and um, was listening to a thing on, on um, well, actually, it wasn't, anyway, I won't try to explain the thing, but listening to one and. And it was interesting. He just started to talk about um, the come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And all of a sudden, before he even, I went, I'm just anticipating, I guess, where he's going. And the lights came on. And it's like, you know, I don't think I realized that before. And I don't know how many times I've thought about these verses. But I got to share this with you because I think it's, it's reassuring or something like that. I don't know what word to use better than that. But come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. 
And I'm thinking, I know exactly where he's going. Because he says, you know what a yoke is, right? And a lot of people, if you ask them now, they have no idea. They've gone to museums and they see them hanging on the wall or whatever, you know, and things. But they're not really sure what a yoke is. And a yoke is different than a harness. That was one thing that, like, it's a lot different, you know? What's a yoke used for? It's used, they hooks the oxen together to pull the plow or whatever they're doing. Okay, and he was saying, I don't know this to be true necessarily, but he's been saying, it's hard to make oxen walk together. They don't want to walk together. The kind of beast or however they're wired or whatever, they don't want to walk together. And it's like, yeah, I get it. That's why the yoke is hard, you know? They don't wear a harness like horses. Horses are easy to get them to pull together. And it doesn't matter if they're exactly together anyway, because you know how that works. Anyway, I think. Maybe you don't, but anyway. It, the, the way the horses pull, it works better. But when you got two oxen, if they don't want to walk together, the one, one the one's going to get a really sore neck from having it jerked all the time with the one that wants to walk this way, okay? And so they have to learn to walk together. And, I, and you, you got that now with the heavy wooden yoke on their thing. They have to. The, the stronger one, whatever, is going to pull, but they have to learn to walk together so they go straight, so they stay healthy, so they don't wear sore spots in their neck or whatever. But they have to do that. So they have to, and it's, but it's made to walk together. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. My yoke. So the other, I'm not walking yoked together with Mark or Casey or God forbid it be Bill. Then I have to tip because I'm taller than him. Just, <laughs> you know, but I'm walking with the Lord Jesus. We're in the same yoke. And it's made to us, make it for us to walk together. And his yoke, he's saying, is easy. My yoke's easy. I'm not going to jerk you around. That has interesting con- connotations in today, the way we say stuff. Even I'm not going to jerk you around. We're going to walk together. And I'm thinking, you know, I until till this morning, as a matter of fact, I hadn't even thought about that. Like I hadn't thought about walking together. Here I am in yoke with Jesus, and we're to walk together. You know, and it's like, because his yoke is easy and his burden is like, this shouldn't be hard. But if I pictured Jesus right here beside me as I'm going through my walk, I would walk a lot different. I'm, I would, you know, like he's right there. Like I'm not going to pull anything over on him or anything. He's right there. And I need to approach my walk every day that I'm yoked together with Jesus. I need to do the other thing, <clears throat> and they're not yoked together, but uh, you can tell a dog that's really well-trained, right? Because what's he doing? All the time looking up to see what the master wants him to do. You know, you watch him, and they're all the time looking. They lay down on the ground. They're all the time. You see their eyes or head shifting just a little bit as they keep looking. Okay, are we ready to move, or are we ready to, you know, what are we doing? You know? And, and we see that kind of connection. And we need to have that kind of connection with our Lord Jesus. We're yoked together with him. <clears throat> so 
he turns privately to his disciples. I'm back in Luke there. Um, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you've heard and have not heard it. And we think of um, Old Testament passages where that was true. <clears throat> we think of Jesus' birth. Um, Simeon, I think, refers to that. And, and uh, well, a lot of them they, they tell prophecies at that point. There was people longing to see the, Savior, the Messiah come, and they hadn't seen it. And here he is. You know, you've now, and they, and they maybe more amped up in things should be able to see it. The kingdom has come. You've just gone out, the 72 of you, and, and spread the word that the kingdom of God is at hand. And, you know, look at these things. And, and you understand it, and you get it, but how many people, I'm thinking is the thought here too, how many people in these cities that we went to, that you went to, accepted that, what you had to say? How many times did you shake off the dust of your feet at that town? And we don't get any record of that. Um, those towns that the Casey dealt with, their Corazon and Bethsaida, um, they're up in the northern part, right? Look at my... Why did they put a map in here and not put those there? Anyway, <clears throat> but um, Corazon's not anymore. Corazon, they finally found pretty sure where they're at. People knew where it was all that time, but they hadn't really questioned it. But it's just ruins. And Bethsaida is just a little tiny fish, fishing village. And um, at the report of the person that had done it, might have been at Robert Moffat's. Anyway, I'm getting them all confused. But there weren't, it would, you would have been hard-pressed to find even a believer in those towns as he... You know, and you remember there that it said it'd be better for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day than, than those towns. And so we see that here as we as we go through that there were lots of people desiring to see it. Now they now it's here and they're still not seeing it. So <clears throat> I think this next portion is as far as we're gonna get. And I will have left the last four verses for Mark. <laughs> Maybe we'll get through it. Who knows? But <clears throat> verse 25, and you know this part, so listen close. See if there's anything you've forgotten about in the story. <clears throat> and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? I want to stop there a minute. <clears throat> if I ask you to define a neighbor. What's, who's a neighbor? What is a neighbor? I would guess. I could be wrong because now we've got this far and you're think, starting to maybe think a little different. But your neighbor is the people that live near you, right? Those are your neighbors. Okay? And some people, their neighbors go out further than other people. You know? But 
those are your neighbors, the people that live near you. So think of that as he tells them the story here. Because God doesn't define a neighbor like we define a neighbor. Um, And so we'll see that here. And who's my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you'd spend, when I come, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, him who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So here we have this, I like, this is fun. Luke's the only one that does this story too. This is a neat story, right? I mean, you got to like it. A lot of kids know it and everything. Um, and there's lots of questions that come to mind as you go through it. <clears throat> so here's this guy on his way down. We don't know anything about him except he was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And thieves attacked him, took all his clothes, all his goods, left him for dead. He's half dead. <clears throat> and by chance, a certain priest comes by. When he sees, he goes around on the other side. It's one chance. Likewise, a Levite. And I'm not sure, I don't know the difference here necessarily between the priest and the Levite. I thought the Levites were priests. But I think he, this, the, the thing here would be he's higher in the hierarchy. He's more important. He's got all the, the bells and whistles and all those things with him. Okay, more of the law um, and everything. Anyway, so, but he's on his way by. And he comes to the place and he actually looks at him. Sounds like here. He looks at him and then passes by on the other side. Then a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came and saw him and he had compassion on him. And he takes care of him. Puts oil on his wounds and washes them with wine and um, all those things. Brings them to an end to take care of them. <clears throat> Was just thinking of the different things there and you know all the all the natural things you could do. But he puts now olive oil has a lot of vitamin E in it and stuff too. It's really good. In fact, I have a little tin on my nightstand that Burt's Bees puts out that's called Rescue Ointment. And it, one of its main things in it is olive oil and vitamin E and aloe and all those things, you know. And you put that on a bite or something or a cut, and it helps it heal way faster, you know. And then he's using the wine, and, you know, we all know wine has alcohol in it, and alcohol kills germs. Just you guys all got a real lesson in that with the pandemic and everything when you had to use 
the, the hand sanitizer all the time because the better the hand sanitizer, the more alcohol it had in it, you know? And um, if you really wanted clean hands, I would recommend that you would have gone <coughs> to, the, to the rest area there on 81 North because the stuff that the state sent in, I don't know if it was 100% alcohol or not, but I think it was watered down a little bit, but it was really nasty. It was so strong. Your hands shriveled, so it killed, I'm sure it killed all the germs. But, but you know, we see all those things. So he's taking good care of them. I'm sure he bandaged up the wounds or whatever. I'm picturing, you know, the guy's got a broken arm and, you know, he's dislocated shoulder and all these different things. And the guy fixes them all up and leaves them at the end to take care of. <clears throat> and one of the things there that that got me too is I don't know how they know. I'm sure the people have studied it that this is probably pretty pretty sound, but a twelfth of a Daenerys was what it what they charged to stay at an inn for a day. And that was like, okay. I guess. I'll I'll buy that, you know. So that being true or whatever, however it works, he left enough there for this guy to be taken care of for three and a half weeks, just about. So this guy, I'm thinking, you know, that tells me one thing, is the guy just wasn't superficially, you know, not like we see where the superhero, or not even a superhero, but the hero on whatever you're watching, you know, he gets beat up. I laugh when I watch, I like, I like action movies, you know, shoot him up, bang, bang lots of karate and all this stuff, you know, and I have to laugh at some, I don't know if you've ever watched, but uh, Steven Seagal movies are especially this way, but there's a few other guys too. You know, you'll watch them and you'll see him grab the guy and his arm goes around and you, and, you know, and they make sure you hear the crunch and crack as he, you know, breaks the guy's arm and dislocates his shoulder and everything. And he throws him on the ground and gets a, and then that guy goes and picks up a, a heavy gun. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why they're fun to watch, right? Because they're so silly, you know? And the police never come during the thing or any of that stuff, you know? But anyway, but, you know, th but this guy's hurt. Like, he's not going to get up and, and go with the rest of his journey. He's, he's definitely hurt. He needs rest and recuperation. And so the Samaritan is taking care of him here and gives the innkeeper money. And if it takes longer than this, he says, I'll pay you. I'll settle up when I come back through. Maybe he's planning on coming back through in two and a half weeks or something like or three and a half weeks too. I don't know. But <clears throat> he finishes that story. I'm, I'm thinking at this point, like the lawyer is feeling rather cornered. So who would you say the, the neighbor is? Well, the one who showed compassion on him. And Jesus says, you're right. You're right. And I stop and think and like because to me I almost go right past the point of the story right who's your neighbor and and from our perspective as we go through to be the one who needs help right I was going to say it's the one who shows compassion but no we're the ones that need to show compassion to the one that needs help he was the neighbor and so, I mean, it kind of flip-flops in there as he explains it. But uh, you see what I mean? Like, wait a minute. Didn't I start? And, and I, my mind just 
Let's go, well, wait a minute. What's a neighbor? Well, a neighbor is whoever lives near you. But that's not the definition Jesus uses. It's not even close. These are all strangers. It's not like he, they knew this guy. You know, it doesn't say, oh, and the Samaritan recognized him and decided to help him or anything like that. You know, the neighbor was the one who showed compassion and, and vice versa. And, and so as we do those things and, you know, we often, um, as we do these things, we often, I, I was thinking of all the people that come and help people in time of, um, need like the, you know, there was a flood, there was a hurricane, all of those things, you know, and they come and give aid. Well, they're being a neighbor, but they don't live, a lot of them, and especially the parts that we see in the news, you know, they're not neighbors geographically or closeness or anything. They're a neighbor because they said, well, these people need help and I could help them, so I'm going to go help them. And that's where we need to be thinking oh, I don't I still have a little few minutes so let's see if we can finish the chapter so we switch gears again that was kind of what makes this hard we keep switching gears to different things now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You gotta, you can't help but love this story and feel it, I guess. Maybe wanna misapply it or hope, you know, as you're reading, you're thinking, yeah, Jesus could have said, Mary, can't you help out? And she would have jumped right to it because that's what the Lord wanted her to do, you know? And Martha, she's stressed. She's the... She's the doer kind of person anyway, and she's stressed because she's not getting any help. And Jesus is here of all the people to make a good impression on. It's Jesus. And, and finally, she reaches her point of frustration, and she says, Lord, don't you care? And how many stories as we look back would you see the, the disciples or whoever saying, Lord, don't you care? And think of all, you know, they're in the boat, you know. A little bit, you could go to the feeding of the 5,000, you know. Lord, there's all these starving people. Don't you care? You need to send them away. They got to go get food, you know. And I can almost hear them uh, as I read this. Martha, Martha, you know. Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. Got to lighten up. You got to relax. You got to get your mind focused where it needs to be focused. But one thing's needed, and Mary's chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. She sat at the feet of Jesus. And I was thinking of that and putting, trying to put that in, in 
you with all the the other things <coughs> that Jesus has done, you know? Thinking how much we do because we don't understand or we don't know the, the Lord and, and don't trust him enough, I guess, might be. Well, Martha might have a little bit of an excuse. Mary seemed to understand, um, you know, but thinking if Mary would have relaxed or whatever, she didn't need to do anything because the Lord is the Lord and he can do whatever he wants. And if she was worried about the food, he could have taken care of that. If she was worried about how clean the house was, he could take care of that. And all of those things that he just came to meet with them, to spend time with them. And how often it is that we're busy being a, a Martha. Oh, I got to do this. And you hear it in the world around you as, as you ask people, you know, about salvation. So well, I, I, I think I'm good enough. You know, and, and to me, that's an alarm that goes off and says, these are people who are trying to not, not even necessarily work their way to heaven. Maybe they are saved. But they're so focused on the service part that they're missing the worship and the fellowship part of being with, with Jesus. And so we see those things here. Martha, Martha, you're worried about and troubled about many things. But one thing's needed. And Mary's chosen it. And I think about all those things. I think about all the, you know, think about your, your day at work or your day. How many people do you know that are troubled about so many things? You know, they're just troubled. And I'm not talking, they're not thinking spiritually, but they're troubled about many things. And so much that it wears them and, you know, a lot of them are medicated for it and everything because they're troubled about so many things. And I understand, because I've been there now, stuff that you can be troubled about stuff and have no real power over whether you're troubled or not. You know, your body has somehow decided that you're stressed and it's going to react and, and all those things and try as you might and pray as much as you want. Everything. It's it has to run its course physically or whatever. But so many of those people, I think, and I'm sure could be helped with by faith if they would just relax. Okay, I'm going to turn it over, you know, to you, Lord. And, and we can do that same. I'm going to turn it over to you. I just had a week like I wouldn't want to repeat. Probably will because I've said those kind of things before, but... Tuesday, one of my supervisors calls with the good news that one of her workers went out sick with COVID the night before. And so now she's down to two people and they have a big inspection coming up on Wednesday. This was Tuesday morning. They have a big inspection coming up and, you know, we're, we're not going to be ready. We're, we can't do it. So spent all that morning and into the early afternoon trying to get people to come and everything. And we, we got it. We got it ready. They've passed with flying colors and everything. And I got home at, I forget what time that night. I didn't leave up there till 8.15. So however long it takes to get from Elvigen, from north, north of Norwich down to my house. But um, so we did that. And then we've been having troubles all week. We've been trying to strip and wax the floor at the, the welcome center. 
you would not believe people. Maybe you would believe people, but you would not believe people and how ignorance and annoying they can be. So they have the floor all stripped. I don't know if you've been in there, but they have the, we have this big terrazzo part. It's that shiny, it looks like porcelain type thing, and, and this one has brass things in it. It's a map. It's got the river going through it and all these things for southern New York. And uh, so you do that, but we were stripping and waxing it. We have it all marked off, um, <clears throat> taped off, and they were telling me that... Um, you know, we had it all. We just were put, just had put the wax down, and these people came in and they had closed the back. There's doors on front and side. They closed the doors on the side so nobody would walk in and into the wax because there's nowhere to get to where to the bathrooms that way without going through where they had just waxed. And so these people came in and had to explain and everything and. And they get some of them to go around, but someone who's just lagging behind, they went through. And so they went under the tape and walked through the wax. You know, about that time, you want to take the bucket of wax and just, here, let me help you spread it back out for me again. Um, so they, they did that. And they just got it all smoothed up. And this other couple of vans of people came in. And they just had to use, there's no way to get into the, they call it where the pop machines and everything are but these kids got in there and everything and so okay well we'll take care of we'll fix that you know go ahead finish but they're college age kids and they decided it'd be really fun to jump over back and forth over the caution tape we have up so that nobody would walk in the wax and so they're jumping back and forth and having a great time because the floor it's like really slippery too it's, you know, and um, the guy says, really? <laughs> like we just explained, what you know, oh, we're sorry. So they, one guy wads up his wrapper and throws it out in the wax, and they leave. So now they have to fix that, too. You know, but who's my neighbor? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, like, who was my neighbor in this one? Like, you know, and, but even with this story. So, Lord, can't you say something to them? Can't you stop them? Can't you strike them dead? Can't you put them to sleep so they don't come out till the wax is hard? Or something, you know, you just want to say. And the Lord's got to say, Mark, Mark, get it together here. You know, get it together. Think about it. Like it's not the end of the world. Even if it feels like it at the moment, all those things, it's not the end of the world, you know? Life will go on. And the worst that could happen, and maybe the best thing is, you'd be retiring early, you know? <laughs> but I wasn't there for that part anyway. But I look at it and think of the frustration and all those things. And yet, <clears throat> that point, I could, have, I could have shared this with those guys and they wouldn't have got it because I'm sure they're not born again. But, um, you know, Lord, Lord, Mark, Mark. Stop fretting and start, stop being, you know. Choose the good thing, I guess, is where we should say. And I'm thinking of all the different sayings I've seen, you know, to put up at your home and everything. And I don't know that I've ever seen this, but I might make one for myself. It just says, choose the good thing. Put the reference so people know it's not just choose any good thing. 
let's choose the good thing. One thing's needed, and Mary chose it, the good part. So I'll have to think of how to word that, but that's what I want to think about. That's what I want to think about this week, because I anticipate so much more fun. You know, things. Choose the good thing. Father, we just thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for these words of encouragement and instruction and, and helping us to see things from your perspective, from your point of view, how you define things. Just help us, Father, as we go through our walk with you, that you would uh, reveal those things to us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.